0: All right, uh, welcome everybody. This second sicha in the uh, dvar distributed by the Rebbe is from Lekut Sichot Glelam It is the third sicha of Parsha Sheftim. And it begins by analyzing the words of the Rambam. In Hilchas Melochim, Perigyud Aleph, where it speaks about the source for the belief in Gula and Mashiach. Without further ado, let's let's begin. Kosovar Rambam, Behilchas Melochim. The Rambam writes in the Laws of Kings. Hamelech HaMashiach Asid La made. In the future, Melech Mashiach will arise and return the Davidic dynasty to its former glory. And the Ram goes on to explain more of what Mashiach will do. The Rabbi says here, V'chulu, Here's the Pesach. Anyone who does not believe in Mashiach and does not await his coming, what's the Din? He not only denies all the other prophets, but even the chief prophet, Mashiach, and uh, the Torah itself. Sharei, ha because the Torah itself testifies to the coming of Mashiach. In other words, it's not only a Jewish belief that has some Judaic source, it has the highest level of source, it, it is it is biblical, and here's what the Rav says, he gives is about to give three biblical proofs which we're going to talk about Shnema, as it says nashem <speaking in Hebrew> will return your captives and have mercy on you and return you and gather you even if you will be scattered to the ends of the heavens Hashem will bring you in this is still from Rambam and uh, of course this scriptural or rather uh, biblical meaning uh, from from Chomish, this source from Chomish, includes within it all the other mentions of Mashiach that are in the Prophets. All right, continuing. Also, in parshas Bilaam there's also a mention of Mashiach. Vashom Niba B'Shene HaMashiachim there, uh, Bilaam prophecies about two Messianic figures. Vemashiach Arishin Shehudavad Chulohu Vemashiachu Ahrein the first Mashiach, which is David the and, and the final Mashiach, the actual Mashiach, who will be a descendant of David. And in the parentheses, the Rebbe says, The Rebbe brings many psukim from Parshas Balak, from the prophecies of Bilam, and explains how these prophecies are referring both to David and to his descendant, Mashiach. Okay. So that is, basically, Perek Yud Aleph, Halacha Aleph. Now the Rebbe continues. Ba'halacha shel'acharzeh, ma'am she'charabam. Then in the next halacha, meaning Halacha Beis, the Rav continues and says, now we're quoting again. Af Hu hu'aymir. Now we have a third proof scriptural proof. In reference to the cities of refuge, there's a mitzvah of a uh, of, to make cities of refuge, which we're going to talk about. If somebody inadvertently kills, uh, he commits manslaughter, so he is exiled to the Arimiklat. Also, even intentional killers, um, while they're awaiting their judgment, they also go to Arimiklat. It's called a city of refuge because uh, someone who was a killer, he will uh, be safe from having the relative of the victim uh, murder him uh, in revenge. Anyways, in reference to the Ari Miklut and the Cities of Refuge, who eymir it says, Im um, yarche vashem has gvulcha l'cho eid When Hashem will expand your boundaries, you're going to add three more cities. Historically, there were six cities three in what we call Eretz proper, and three on the other side of the Jordan River, evera HaYardin, and uh, in the future, Hashem will expand the land to include three more lands that were never conquered, Kaini, K'niz which are Amen, Mayev and uh and, and three more Ari Miklet will need to be built. The Ramam says, This never happened yet. Okay, so it never happened, yeah. But, Hashem never commands something for naught. So, if Hashem said, when the land will expand, you'll add more uh, cities of refuge, that means, it's not, uh, it's not being stated for naught. It's part of the mitzvah. (inaudible) The Ram continues, from the prophets, I'm not even going to bring you a proof. Why ha The prophets are just you know you'd have to quote half the pesukim, half of the neviim are talking about uh, mashiach. Okay. So now the Rebbe says, we have to look into this. What was lacking in the first two proofs? Ma Kosov, the first one from the pasuk veshov Gaimir sheb parshas nitzav nitzav him um the second one which were the prophecies of bilam what was lacking in these two proofs Shuhusko Karambam lam lahisaf ra'aya gama koshav ba'ar miklot that the ramam had to add the third proof the one about the cities of refuge hatzlich be be shnei ra'ayot now you could ask, well, why did he need two proofs? You're saying, why did he need the third proof? Oh, why did he need two proofs? Just use one proof. No. Why the first two proofs were needed, that we understand. Why? Because the Rambam is explaining that there's not just the concept of a redemption, a redemptive era, but there's actually a persona, an actual human being called Melach who will lead the Jewish people in the world into that era. In addition to belief in a general idea of a redemption, that Hashem himself will manage to bring about a redemption in one way or another. But in addition to that, specifically believe in a person who is a king who is the leader who causes this error to come about. <laughs> Along with all the different specific details that the Rambam gives about this person. <laughs> Indeed, like the Rambam stresses when he says, anyone who doesn't believe in him. That means, the psukim from Nitzavim speak about Hashem being the one who causes the ge'ula. It doesn't specifically mention a Mashiach figure. And rather, in the prophecies of Bilaam, there it speaks about an actual figure known as Mashiach. David, Mashiach. In fact, it speaks about David and Mashiach. And that's indeed why uh, the whole long proof, the second proof, is brought. With uh, many different verses that speak about them, about the David and his descendant Mashiach. There it hints about different qualities of Mashiach, she'chayom lahamin bohem, kumashin is bodem like it's explained else, elsewhere, the, the, the different beliefs and the, the different qualities of Mashiach that we have to believe in. Okay. So that's why we needed the second proof, Parshas Bilam, because just with netzavim, you would only know that there will be a redemption. Hashem will bring it about somehow or another, but you wouldn't know necessarily uh, that it would involve Mashiach. In Bilam, it's very clear; it's talking about Mashiach. Okay, Idach, On the other hand, why did you need then the first raya, the one of Nitzavim? You couldn't just use the second raya. You needed the first one. Va'edzeis, and not only did you need the first raya, but shevirakiraya shniya, that the Bilam not only was not enough on its own, but Bilaam was also only the second uh, proof. <laughs> because the Raman's point here isn't just to bring scriptural proof, <laughs> Raman's trying to prove that anyone who doesn't believe in Mashiach is actually denying and he needs to find something where it's not just that Teshabal explains the words of Taira to mean a messianic uh, reference. See, in Bilam, if you just read the Psukam by themselves, you wouldn't understand it's talking about Mashiach. It's only because Teshabal Pe explains that. Yes, yeah, true. Anybody who's kefir is betir also But the is trying to prove an even uh, higher level of kifira, if we could call it that. The, the, the Rama wants to show that the Mashiach is is explicit in Scripture. The, the, the prophecies of Bilaam, uh, yes, they're in scripture, but they're not explicit. They're, they're stated in metaphorical ways and in riddles. It's impossible to say about uh, Bilaam's prophecies that he's explicitly talking about Mashiach. So therefore, um, if the Ramah is trying to prove that one who denies Mashiach is denying explicit Torah verses, he needs the first proof, the one from Nitzavim. But in in the Pesach from Nitzavim, it is very clear that it's talking about the uh, ingathering of the exiles, meaning the Gula. So, we understand why we need the first two uh, the proofs, but why the third? Okay. So the first proof we needed because it explicitly talks about Gula, but what is it lacking? It's not speaking about the persona of Mashiach. The second raya has the advantage of it speaking clearly about Mashiach, the person, but it's lacking uh, it being explicit. You have to like know what uh, Bilaam is sort of hinting at. You know, it's uh, you need the pirush of Tirish about Pat to even uncode it. So you put the two together and you have a pretty strong raya that there's a concept of Mashiach explicit in the Torah and that it's a person. Melacha Mashiach. Alright. And that you can get from the first two proofs. Why do you need the third one, the one about cities of refuge? Gam another question. Sharamim the proof about Arimikla is Halacha base. It's the second Halacha in the Perek. So the first two proofs are in the, in in the first Halacha. The third proof is set set on its own, <coughs> apart in the in a in its own Halacha. <laughs> seemingly, you should have put all three proofs all in the same Halacha. Okay, and that ends. Ais so just to recap Ais Alef, um, the Rambam in Yud Aleph, speaks about the fact that anyone who doesn't believe in Mashiach and await his coming is denying in not just in the prophets but in Mesh Rabbeinu and, and in the Torah itself and the Ramam gives three proofs the first two proofs in the first halacha one is the promise of a redemption in Parshas Nitzavim it's a promise of redemption, it's explicitly stated, it has that advantage, but it's lacking any reference to the persona of Mashiach. Second proof is in Parshas Bilaam, it has the advantage that it's speaking about Mashiach as a person, but it's lacking its explicitness that the first proof has. Then in the second halacha, The Rambam says that there's a mitzvah to add on three more arimiklat when 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 the land will be expanded. That hasn't happened yet, so there's a piece of a mitzvah still waiting to be done. And Hashem would never just give a command that could never be fulfilled, that would never be fulfilled. Just a a mitzvah that's uh, you know the Rambam calls it latoyhu, you know, for for naught. So uh, so that's a proof that uh, that the redemption is a. Biblical concept, and we basically were wondering why we need that third proof, and why that third proof is in its own halacha. Okay, fine. Bedik base or uh, sif base. There's a main advantage, a novel point that the third proof brings out that the first two don't. Bizet Shitziv satayda im yarch of gamer, yusafta gamer, Shibe mesa meshech hayam lohesabari miklo peloshin erabem, lime hamelach a meshech may siphon shalish achedis al elo hasheish, naysay inyan debias a meshech echod mitenoi mitzvah shibetayda. In this third proof, What the Ramam does is he establishes that Mashiach is connected to a mitzvah of the Torah. See, that's, that's different than just saying it's explicitly mentioned in Torah. Something can be mentioned in the Torah, like a story, for instance, that happened to the Aves, but it's not a mitzvah. Here it's connected to a mitzvah, an eternal commandment one of Hashem's six hundred thirteen desires for the Jewish people to bring into actuality in this world. And as the Sikh is going to explain, this is a whole different category. Once something's a mitzvah, it's a whole different ballgame. Okay, we're gonna talk about it. Kleimer, the Rebbe clarifies. see the Potato of although redemption is clearly stated in Torah and the Pirosh HaMishnayas the Rambam counts it as one of the major or fundamental beliefs one of the Yud-Giml-Ikrim that doesn't say that Mashiach is one of the mitzvahs or even a part of a mitzvah. We don't find anywhere in Torah that there's a commandment to believe in Gula. Rather, because Mashiach is something in Torah, so although there's not a specific commandment to believe in Mashiach, but since Mashiach is in Torah, if you don't believe in Mashiach, so you're kaifer, you're denying (laughs) Torah, Prote mitzvah Torah. However, by bringing in the arimiklut proof, the Rambam's establishing that although there isn't a specific separate mitzvah on its own to believe in Mashiach, however, the belief in Mashiach is part of another mitzvah, specifically uh, the mitzvah of Miklot. What happens from this, Belief in Mashiach is now connected to a mitzvah. Now it has a whole new strength. The strength of mitzvahs. Like the Raman writes in Hilchas, you say, It is an explicit thing that Torah is eternal. It doesn't change. It doesn't uh, diminish. It doesn't add. Nothing can be diminished from it or added to it. Mitzvah means a commandment and the 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 commandments we are commanded to do forever. Mitzvus mean we are commanded to do them forever. also similarly, in the writes, <laughs> the Torah doesn't get added to, doesn't get subtracted from. on anyone who adds to the Torah or subtracts from the Torah or interprets the mitzvahs metaphorically. Badai veRosh veApikorus. This person is a uh, a scammer and a wicked person and a heretic. Therefore, Kevin sheni nagulah who praat beMitzvahs Ari Miklat. Once the Rambam is established that the belief of Mashiach is connected to a mitzvah, specifically the mitzvah of Ari Miklat, hadikeshem shari Miklat he mitzvay medes leilam. hulu, ein lo loy shiner just like the mitzvah v'arimiklat, like all mitzvahs, never can change. So too, this promise of Mashiach can never change. And now we can also understand why the Rambam, in this proof, the proof of Miklat, specifically used a word. What word? Hashem would never command something for naught. The whole point there is that it's a tzivu, it's a mitzvah. His point is to stress, to underscore, the kevin who mitzvah tzivah kodesh Since it's a mitzvah, there can be no change in it because Hashem doesn't make a make a, a, a commandment for naught. Okay, so let's just review. That's the end of Sif Base. What did we just learn here? The third proof has something very special, and that is it connects Mashiach to a mitzvah. It is not a specific mitzvah, it's not one of the 613 commandments that you have to believe in Mashiach, you know, like it's one of the 613 mitzvahs, you have to believe in Hashem, right? But it doesn't say anywhere that uh, you have to believe in Mashiach, not as an explicit mitzvah by itself. However, there's a mitzvah in the Torah, it happens to be Miklat. Why specifically Miklat? we don't know yet. But it doesn't matter, because a mitzvah is a mitzvah. There's one of the tayyag mitzvahs, Habshtim Ari Miklot, that the fulfillment of that mitzvah is connected inherently to Mashiach, cannot be fully done until Mashiach comes. And now what happens is the whole concept of Mashiach becomes connected to a mitzvah. And it takes on a whole new level of power. Why? Because a concept, and we're going to explain it more as we go on. A concept that's mentioned in Torah, I don't want to give away what we're, about to, what we're about to say, but there are many ways something can be true, um, and there are many levels of truth. I know I sound like you know relative morality here, but um, you know something can be true um, spiritually or metaphorically. Something can be true under certain conditions or because of certain conditions, and then there's something that is always true, was always true, can only be concretely interpreted, um, not metaphorically, not figuratively, not spiritually, and that's what a mitzvah is. So there's a whole new level of, of absolute truth that is established once we can connect Mashiach to a mitzvah. Okay, let, let let's continue here. Gimel, yesibir, for more uh, explanation. Ben negel av toches akodesh, but ha yedei navi yesh nimayfanam isiamim she shayir shiachabahem shinoi. Something that a prophet says could change. Kmei, divrei peranusha navieme. For instance, if a navi says a negative prophecy, it could change. Shav shi shiv could become nullified because Hashem is patient and kind or maybe the yidin did tshuva, so the bad thing won't come to pass. Also, even a positive prophecy, if it was only personally between Hashem and the Navi, could also, a sin could cause it not to come to pass only a positive prophecy that was given in regard to the, the public, do we say that it will always come true. And even that, that I was going to explain, it's not an absolute truth. We'll, we'll see. Even in a case where the Navi's prophecy will come to pass, <laughs> like the Ram says in fact that if a Navi says a positive pro- prophecy and like we said something that's affecting everybody um, then it won't become nullified kmei shabir bepirshamishnai shelai she ka she kshei imra kedish barkhu navi laftiah leben adam of Teva, Muchrocha If Hashem tells the Navi to tell the public something good is going to happen, now it must happen. It's machmaschet. Even a sin can't cause it not to come true anymore. It's not that the, 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 the prophecy is intrinsically. Um, unchanging (inaudible) it's just practically speaking it won't change I'll explain in one second like the Rambam explains why a positive prophecy that affects the Klau won't be retracted even from a sin it's because we need some way to ascertain who a true prophet is so Hashem told us, look, if a navi says a positive prophecy and it it affects everybody, then it has to come to pass. Why? Because that's your your litmus test, that's your way of, of determining that a prophet is real. You understand? So basically, it's not that there's something inherently about the words of this prophecy that cannot even theoretically ever change. In theory it could change it's just that hashem made a rule that he's not going to change it you understand there's a difference between it won't change and it can't change not to spoil the surprise but what i was going to say about a mitzvah is not just a mitzvah won't change a mitzvah can't change what does it mean a mitzvah can't change Hashem can't change it (laughs) it's like saying hashem cannot be hashem (laughs) A mitzvah can't change any more than Hashem can change. The mitzvahs are the expression of Hashem's innermost will. See, this is what we have to understand. A, A prophecy comes about as a message in a world that already exists. There's stuff going on. Hashem needs to communicate to the people there. So he chooses a prophet and he sends a message. But that prophecy didn't exist before the creation of the world. A response to conditions in the world. A mitzvah is something that existed before the creation of the world. See, a mitzvah, when we say a mitzvah is eternal, we don't just mean that it exists forever in the future, we mean it always existed forever in the past, even before the world was created. So when we connect Mashiach to a mitzvah, we're giving it a whole different level of eternality. If it's just something from a Navi, let's say we're just speaking about it may be that hashem won't change it once a navi promised it but it's not that it inherently cannot change but if it's a mitzvah that's a whole other discussion now it inherently cannot change let's let's go ahead <laughs> The eternality of title is that not just it won't change like a prophecy, a good prophecy, but it can't change. <speaking in Hebrew> it's impossible to change. <speaking in Hebrew> just like Hashem doesn't change, <speaking in Hebrew> there's no such thing as Hashem changing. Not just Hashem won't change, Hashem can't change. And it's not a limitation upon him that he can't change. Hashem is Absolute reality. So, to say that Hashem could be any different is to say that His reality is a relative reality. Taira is Hashem. is Hashem's His which are one with Him. Therefore, Torah itself also doesn't change. Even though the promise of Gula is a prophecy, and a good prophecy will never be retracted, canal. But a, and the side discussion is, not only would sin not be able to cause it to be retracted based on the rules that Hashem made for a positive prophecy, but in this case, practically speaking, sin wouldn't mess it up. Like we know that, we says, we know that in the end, the Yidin will do tshuva, Okay, so first of all, a positive prophecy couldn't get messed up by a sin. Second of all, there's not going to be any more sin because we're going to do tshuva. But that's not the reason why we're saying Mashiach is such an absolute. We're saying it, why, because That, what we're saying from a prophecy, that's not that it's inherently certain, unchanging, woven into the fabric of reality. It's just that Hashem established certain rules, made certain promises that He wouldn't go back on. Ma However, once you establish that Geula is part of a mitzvah, now it's a whole level, a whole other level of eternality. We're talking about something that
1: is
0: inherently, intrinsically eternal. Like I was saying, not just that it won't change, it can't change any more than you could theoretically imagine Hashem not being Hashem or Hashem being some different kind of Hashem. Right? So the mitzvahs cannot change, the mitzvahs cannot be different mitzvahs. Now, let me explain it a little bit differently. The mitzvahs were not a response to conditions of this world. The mitzvahs were in existence long before the world and actually give rise to the world So it's not that the mitzvahs are laws that are here to govern the world. The world is here to give expression to the mitzvahs. So a prophecy is something that's speaking about the world after it already exists. But a mitzvah is what causes the world to exist. So there's really no such concept. Once Mashiach is part of a mitzvah, there's no such concept of Mashiach not being a reality. You understand? It's not just like, well, we know Mashiach has to come because Hashem wouldn't go back on it now. No, it's not that Hashem wouldn't go back on it. It's that Hashem can't, and I don't mean can't in the sense of a limitation, I mean in the sense of truth. It's like, basically you could say this, there's no theoretical scenario in which Mashiach doesn't eventually come any more than there's a theoretical scenario in which Hashem isn't Hashem. <laughs> Meaning just like Hashem is Hashem, and there's no way that Hashem is not Hashem, and if Hashem's not the Hashem that you're thinking of, then you're not thinking of Hashem, right? Like the Verdishva told the atheist, young man, the god you don't believe in, I don't believe in either, right? So just like Hashem. There's no, not even in a theoretical scenario, is there a possibility of Hashem not being Shem. So too, now that Mashiach is part of a mitzvah, there's no theoretical scenario in which there isn't a concept, not just a concept. Sorry, that's the whole point here: a reality, a physical reality of Mashiach. Okay, let's go to Dalit. We have a question still a question that's sort of getting to us. Why do you have to say it specifically a mitzvah that makes it, you know, have this nitskis? The whole Torah is nitskis. Especially five books of moses kemishkosfer rambam she khamishah khamshita ira inu beteil the five books of moses will never become batal she kol anichta betera beteras mecha hun nitzrive kaim la ilam it's all eternal forever be imken kavenshaft toch aso godesh baruch halgulam forash beteil beteras mecha kvar gal alse gedra nitzchi shel khamishah khamshita ma ntese besar yadesa shehi gan prat mitfasoter once it's already part of taita meaning it's in it's, uh, Nitzavim, and it's in, in the Nevoah of Bilaam. It's in Torah, it's in Torah, it's in Teut, it's in Chumash. So once it's in Chumash, why do you need it to be a mitzvah? There's something more about a mitzvah even than the rest of, of Chumash? And what we're going to say is yes. Yeah, okay. There's a, there is an, there's a basic difference, yeah. yeah, between mitzvahs and even the rest of teresh even the rest of chumash. Sfer. Things that are in Torah are all true. Yes, of course they're true. But they could remain Spiritually true. In the abstract. For instance, a very interesting proof that Rebbe gives. The stories in the Torah, meaning the things that happened to the obvious and things like that what's the eternality of them the eternality are their lessons there's a moral there's a lesson that they teach but the, the the description of the event isn't eternal it says avram went south okay he did that already he's not going south right now he's not always going south for the rest of time right it happened it's done oh the truth of it the message of it endures but the event, the event is over, right? So it's not happening in the physical world anymore. The truth still exists on a conceptual level, but the event itself is over. But when you're talking about mitzvahs, mitzvahs, their eternality and the fact that they cannot be added to nor subtracted from is not just on a conceptual level, not some truth in 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 the sense of it has an eternal lesson for us. No, no, mitzvah is always literally true. Meaning to say, and we're about to get into this, if somebody says an idea in Torah is a, is a spiritual truth, a metaphorical truth. That's one. I mean, it's probably also kvira, but it's not the same level of kvira as someone who says a mitzvah is metaphorical. Meaning it doesn't really mean to put leather straps and boxes on your head and on your arm. It means the spirit of it, right? You know, like real reform type of Um, making mitzvahs totally symbolic, right? Okay, so watch this. When the Raman was talking about people who take Torah figuratively, he specifically mentions the mitzvahs, that they interpret the mitzvahs figuratively. A person who interprets the truths of Torah as figurative. Okay, it's, all, it's like I said. Probably also uh, uh, kufira. It is kfira. but it's a different level of Kfira. And I'm going to say, le-may Practically speaking, it's all. The point here is, we're explaining. Perhaps it's a roundabout way of explaining it in the conventional sense. But we're trying to bring out that Mashiach isn't just a Jewish idea. And, okay, it's part of Judaism. It doesn't have to actually happen. It's part of Judaism. It's a Jewish concept. It's a Jewish belief. It's, it's, it inspires Jews. No, you can't. And, and, but, 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 no, but it doesn't have to literally ever happen. No, you can't say that. That is akin to not. It's akin to it is the same, it literally the same as saying that in, You could shiba the You can you can you could you could uh, subjugate your mind and heart to Hashem through a meditation, through a poem, through an interpretive dance. You don't have to actually put on the the, the boxes, right? So the negation of the literal interpretation of a mitzvah. That's a whole other level of negation of taita there is such a concept just like the stories of Torah aren't literally happening happening anymore. They literally happened, of course, we believe they literally happened, but they're not literally happening now. So too many ideas in Torah can have symbolic meaning. They don't have to be physical. Uh, let's continue. <speaking in Hebrew> Okay, there's a general principle that a promise of Hashem, it's possible that it won't happen um, because sin blocks it from happening, um, even if it's something that's promised in Torah, like the Braise explains in Brachas, Ad HaShem, ad am zu Ad HaShem zu First part of the Pasuk is referring to when the first time the Yidin entered Eretz Israel from its rhyme. B- Yeshua. When Yeshua led them, Rasha. Ad that's talking about the second time they entered, Kshalum Bavel, Rashi Rasha says, when they entered the second time leaving Golas Bavel with uh, Ezra. Mikan Yisrael Okay, so the Chazal say from this Pasuk in Teirah, um, which is actually we say it in the, uh, the Shira every day in uh, in Davening, so part of the Shira that the Yedon's sing with Mesheh in Oz Yosha Um Chazal interpret this Pasuk to mean that there will be two miraculous entries into the land, the miraculous entry into the land under the leadership of Yeshua when the Eden first entered the land, and then the second time when they left Bavu, uh under the leadership of Ezra. Now, we know actually that's not what happened. The second time they entered the land was not as miraculous. Oh, so Chazal say, it could have been. It could have been, it, but it didn't happen. Well, hold on a second. It was promised in Torah. You're telling me that these verses in Torah are saying that it should have been as miraculous the second time they entered as the first time they entered. So what we're saying is "Eh, it could have been, but the sin got in the way and, and ruined it. Seemingly, you could ask, well, hold on, uh, it's a posseck in Torah that's promising. And Torah never changes, can't be added to, can't be subtracted from. How is it possible, any way you want to slice it, that something that's promised in Torah wouldn't happen? has to be. It has to be. A simple answer, it's possible the title says something, and it doesn't happen in a physical, literal way. That's the whole Kiddush that I was bringing out here. She came and she have talked a goal, he brought me once it's connected to a mitzvah two things emerge that are different than a promise of a prophet and even different than anything else written in Chumash itself and that is one that it's got to be literal got to be physical and two that not just it won't change because Hashem won't let it change, but it can't change. It inherently is not something that can change, just like Hashem doesn't change and cannot change. Okay, let's go to. now we're going to explain why the Raman connects Mashiach to arimikla ein aid the da Vashal That bringing out not just that we have more scriptural proofs, but that is bringing out another level of Misha'ina Bay That if you don't believe in Mashiach, I mean, you can ask practically speaking, what's the difference? It's not the point. The point is, when we say, what level of kfira is it to not believe in Mashiach? The point, that's not the point here. The point is, when I'm trying to grasp what level of truth is the idea of ga'ula, we have to be clear, it's not just a conceptual truth, it's not just a Jewish idea, it's not just something that you know, has a basis in Taita. There is no concept of reality at least from the Jewish perspective. You want to pick another religion to look at life from, you you could do that. But from the Jewish perspective, there's no concept of this world that doesn't culminate in the Gula. No concept. It doesn't exist. Just like there's no concept of a world in which Jews don't put on film. Denesel was that. If you don't believe in Mashiach, you're not just negating a Jewish concept, you're diminishing one of the mitzvahs of Tadr. So since that part of the mitzvah never came to pass. And if you say Mashiach doesn't have to necessarily come, then you're saying that mitzvah doesn't necessarily ever get fulfilled, and then you're in the category of what the Rambam was saying is a scammer and a rasha and, and a heretic. Okay. Continuing. Remember our second question, our first question at the beginning of the sikhah was, why the need for the third proof? And our second question was, why is the third proof in its own halacha? The first two proofs are in one halacha together, and then the third proof is in the second halacha on its own. Now we're going to answer. Because the first halacha is just proving that Torah testifies to the concept of Mashiach, and that if you don't believe Mashiach, you're denying Torah. But in the second halacha, it's a whole different degree of severity. It's saying that Mashiach is connected to a mitzvah, which is a whole other level. And that's why it's in its, uh, in its own halacha. A guy who's already keifer in Torah and in Meish so what does it make it worse that he's 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 in a mitzvah? So the was gonna say it is worse. There's a halachic difference. Let's say a person says, "Yeah, I believe that there's a concept of Mashiach, but I don't think it's going to happen." Yeah, it's a Jewish concept, but it's not going to happen. Why? Because whatever you know, the Jews ruined it. The Jews ruined it. That's one reason. If somebody was going to give that answer, seemingly you couldn't say about him that he's a keifer b'teirav mashiach well, he's a kaifer in because Taira testifies to So maybe he's a kaifer. The person who says he believes in Mashiach is a promise in Torah, yes, but it's not going to happen. So you uh, can't say that he's a Kaifer in, in, in Torah, Mashiach. He, he believes that it's a concept. He just believes it's not going to happen. Maybe he's Kaifer in Torah, Shabal Pe. Maybe you can nail him on that. But you can't say he's Kaifer in, in Torah, Mashiach avakim shagula hi prat vegader be meets for satida she hi meets ve medes she sema khir shiaf shiri es Harry, but shon baftag za gulla amri heve khumza yeshal of din kefa betura ki afshamaimin and tavi ve im yakva gamer safter gamer hu mina shamaim hari she is battle prat de hamit were battle tezu hari who kefa betura but once uh, Mashiach becomes a mitzvah, or part of a mitzvah, part of the conditions of a mitzvah, and the guy says, no, Moshiach's not going to come. Oh, you just denied a mitzvah. Now we got you. You understand? Not that we're really so concerned. I just want to make certain. It's not we're so concerned catching people you know, who are kofrim and what level of kvira. The point is for us to understand the level of absolute reality to ge'ula, how it is, woven into the fabric of reality. So a guy who says, Mashiach's a Jewish concept, for sure, it's mentioned in Torah, for sure, but it's, it's not going to actually happen. And so if we didn't have that third proof, you, you couldn't say that this is necessarily Kfirah. If a guy qualified it like that, no, I believe it's a concept, it's just not going to happen. But once it's a mitzvah, You can't say it's not going to happen. It it, it becomes, I mean, this sounds kind of philosophical, but at, at that point, once it's a mitzvah, it's a done deal. Even though it hasn't happened yet, it may as well have happened. It's that real. It's that certain. There's no alternate reality or theoretical scenario in which it doesn't happen. It has to happen. Just like there's no theoretical scenario in which there is no Hashem. It's an impossibility. It's a philosophical impossibility. And like I said before, if you can imagine there not being Hashem, then whatever you're imagining is not Hashem. <laughs> okay, let's continue. You want another practical difference? We'll give you another practical difference. Let's say a person says, I believe in Mashiach, but it won't be literal won't be literal, maybe it'll be like a subjective thing, an enlightenment that some people will experience. You can't say, seemingly, that he's a because he's saying, I believe it's a thing, it's just not literal. I say it's true. I was speaking metaphorically. And even you say, hold on a second, but there's a cloud that that you can't make make a verse not mean its literal meaning. Okay, you're not supposed to interpret verses non-literally, but it's, it's a question if that's really k'fira. Is it like denying anything? Um, Fundamental in Torah to, to interpret Torah concepts uh, figuratively, uh, maybe not. Maybe it's not a problem. But once Taita is a mitzvah, once Mishir has a mitzvah or part of a mitzvah, harihu mitzvus Now he's not just interpreting psukim not literally; he's interpreting mitzvahs not literally. The vaday because Now he's in that category of the, uh, the scammer, the, the the wicked person, and the and the heretic. So we're talking about different scenarios. Uh, one person who says, "Yeah, I believe that Mashiach is, is it, it was a, it was promised to be a real physical thing, but it's not going to happen because the you'd messed it up." Or another scenario: a guy who says. I believe it will happen, just on a spiritual plane. If it wouldn't be for that third proof, that wouldn't necessarily be such a denial of Torah. But once you have that third proof, and, and, and Mashiach is connected to a mitzvah, now to say that Mashiach won't come, and it won't be a literal, physical happening in this world, now you're denying the most basic truth of Torah. Okay, Vav. In the same line uh, the same line we're going to now bring out another diok shabadaya me parshas <laughs> bilam aimer af parshas bilam immer ve sham nibo bishne me bilam prophesied about two mashiach figures shlakhira in a movement tamad gosha zo de sham nibo shne mar why does he have to tell us that Bilam spoke about it as a prophecy? Why do I care that it's a prophecy? And don't say the answer is well, I had to know it was Nevoa because it's Bilam, and if it would be Bilam, you know, on his own, it will not be Navour, Maybe I wouldn't believe it because Bilam was a rasha. Doesn't matter. It's in Torah. <laughs> who cares who said it? It's in Torah. But that's not the answer. That i is adding another, uh, another level of seriousness to someone who denies Mashiach. Since that second proof, the one from Bilaam, is a novua, if he doesn't believe Mashiach, now it's on that second proof, he's denying a novua. Well, why do we care? Now, what do you need a, a word of prophecy for if you already have a word of Torah, which is more... There's a certain aspect of words of a prophet which are which are more severe. The punishment for going against Torah depends which thing in Torah you go against. There are different levels of, of punishments. But if a person violates the word of a Navi, it doesn't matter if it was a big thing or a small thing. In fact, the Navi could have told somebody to do something completely, like, mundane, like, you know, jump up and down ten times. It doesn't matter. Once a Navi says something as a Navi saying, Navua, there's only one punishment. misa. So there's a certain severity it comes out uniquely from uh, from nevuah. Although in general, yes, words of teira are stronger than words of nevuah. However, for a person, a prophecy in a certain way is a stronger thing. Because prophecy means a person is being given uh, Hashem's messages. <laughs> Hashem is communicating it to a person. Since Hashem is speaking to a person, it's a stronger thing than. <laughs> Is in a certain way kind of removed from us, right? You have to unpack it, you have to decode it. That's why you need Tere Pet. But Nevuah, Nevuah is Hashem spoke to a person in, in human language, a message that's readily discernible. Therefore, when a person hears something from a prophet, it's like hearing it directly from Hashem that's why it doesn't matter what the commandment was, whether it was a big thing or a small thing. If a navi says it, he's talking to you. And therefore, if he doesn't do it, he's, he's, he's rebelling against the king, and therefore he's Misa. and it doesn't matter what the thing was that the navi told him to do that he didn't do, it's still flat out a rejection of the king because the king spoke to a person, through a person, to a person, in the language of a person. So, there's a special severity here that we're adding, you know, throwing the book at him, basically coming up with every every charge, you know. Now, even though, really in actuality, if a person doesn't believe in Bilam's prophecy. It's not like the actual technical halacha of being over on you didn't hear it directly from Bilaam. That's what he says. He, he prophesied over there. The point is that we're throwing in an extra charge. <laughs> that if you don't believe in Mashiach, not only are Kaifer and Teda and Mesha and you're good in a mitzvah, which we said is the biggest deal, but also you're not listening to a Navi, which has a certain egregiousness to it, because a Navi, it's like it's a person speaking to people in the language of people. So we've got all our bases covered. So we got all our bases covered. We have a story from Torah, which is talks about Gula and Parshat Ntsovim. We have a prophecy. We also have it in the category of mitzvah. We also have it in the category of mitzvah. We also have it in the category of mitzvah. So we got him on all charges. <laughs> he denied something explicitly in Taira. He denied something that's a mitzvah in the t-re. He denied something that is a prophecy of a prophet. Okay. Zion, let's finish it up. One more thing remains to be explained. My time of nivch mitzvah. I understand now the importance of Mashiach being connected to a mitzvah. But why this mitzvah? Why are Miklut? The Rebbe says the Chiddush. The purpose of the Ari Miklot are to protect you from the blood avenger. If a person's is not The avenger is not allowed to touch him. Just like there's a physical location which acts as a refuge, there is an era, a time. That time that Rambam refers to, the messianic era, is like a refuge in time. There will not be starvation, or warfare, or jealousy, or competition. And then there will be a um, protection from all the negative things of golos and the Jews will sit securely in their land, so too spiritually. <speaking in> the, <world> the real blood adventure is the Yitzhara, who comes to get vengeance on a person for Avedas. <speaking in the world> but Divre acts as his refuge. <speaking in the world> So what happens, the the Arimiklot act as not just um, protection, but as a cleansing. That's why Mashiach is connected specifically to this mitzvah, mitzvah, which acts as protection and cleansing then we will finish the protection of the jews and the cleansing of the jews mamish. speedily in our days literally and now we know a whole new level of appreciation of literally literally meaning Not a figurative idea, not a concept, not something that inspires us, not something that's a spiritual truth, but something that is as real as anything else that we consider to be reality. Okay, thank you for joining me. It's been exhilarating.